My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Lord Jesus, we come into your presence exactly one week before Good Friday. And so it's good for us to anticipate what we'll contemplate on Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. And St. John in his Gospel begins his account of the Passion, his own eyewitness account, in this way, in that upper room. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Lord Jesus, present here in the tabernacle, you loved us to the end on the cross, the last moment of his life, our Lord was loving us to his last breath he was loving us on the cross and we know that that word end is is rich in meaning right we could read it as to the temporal end of of his life which is true and very important but it also means to the limit, right, that our Lord loves us to the capacity of his ability to love. Lord, you tell us this in the same Gospel of John, just a couple chapters later, that greater love has no man that he lay down his life for his friend. And so from the human point of view, the greatest possible love is what we call the ultimate sacrifice, right, dying for someone else out of love. And so humanly, Lord, on the cross, you live that greatest possible human form of love, which is self-sacrifice. And we know, Lord, that when we look at the cross, we don't just see your human love, we see God's love for us, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The thing most precious to the Father, the Father's heart, the eternal Son of God, is offered up on the cross for us in the humanity of Jesus. And our Lord himself tells us that that he loves us with the Father's love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And so when we slow down next week, and this Palm Sunday, we read the whole Passion and the Mass, and then If you go to Good Friday service, we read the whole Passion from St. John, as we do every year. When we slow it down, we can ask ourselves, well, what is God saying to us, right? What is the meaning? What's being revealed? And this is what is being revealed. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Greater love than this has no man than a man lay down his life for his friend. 
Lord, thank you for this. Help me to take it very personally, right? Very personally. And all the saints, St. Josemaria included, talk about this, that, you know, Jesus didn't die for humanity en masse, right? He didn't die for the collection of sinners. Rather, Lord, you suffered and died for each one of us personally. My sins caused the passion. My infidelity is repaired by your fidelity on the cross. My lack of love is redeemed and made up, made up for by your infinite and incredible love on the cross. St. Paul takes it personal, right? He loved me and gave himself up for me. He loved me and gave himself up for me. Lord, give me the faith to believe this once again, to see it once again, to let it sink in once again, and to change my life, right? This is the thing that that changes lives, that makes saints, sets us on fire, that gives us incredible security in God's love for us, which which it gave St. Paul. Knowing, Lord, that you love us with the love of the Father, and the Father loves us as he loved you, God so loved the world that he gave up his only son. So it's kind of like, okay, the world's over here on this scale or balance in sin. And, and to redeem us, God puts the son on the other side of the scale, right? And in his heart somehow, they're equivalent, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Lord, if I let that sink in, if I open myself to it and don't try to reduce it to simply the way I think about it, but try to encounter the truth of it afresh. Well, it gives me a tremendous hope, a tremendous security, a tremendous confidence that we're loved with this incredible love, right? There's no more love than this. And how much more can God love us? The answer is none. It's kind of like that totally black album in that movie, which was a spoof of rock bands, and they make a mistake because the original cover was inappropriate. So the next cover is just completely black. And one of the band members says, well, it's kind of philosophical because you ask the question, how much more black can it get? And the answer is none, none more black. And so when we look at our Lord, it's like, well, how much more can he love us? The answer is none, right? There's none more love. This is the love to the absolute limit. And that gives us a tremendous security that, Lord, your love is absolutely reliable. What then shall we say to this, St. Paul says, writing to the Romans? What then shall we say to this? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Is it Christ Jesus who died? Yes. Who was raised from the dead? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution 
or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. Lord, when we see you on the cross and we try to open our hearts to the mystery of a God who dies, of the death of the Son of God, we, with the dark light, the dark light of faith, we see this dazzling truth, right, that we're okay. Right? We'll always be okay as long, Lord, as I remind myself of this, as long as I return to it, as long as I try to live in the truth of who you are and what you've done for me, as long as I don't forget, right? Forget the love of God. He loved me and gave himself up for me. This is absolutely, absolutely reliable. And that's good, isn't it? To have something that we can totally count on. Because everything else is, you know, what's going to happen? I was scrolling Facebook the other day and um, I don't know how I, I don't know how all these things started popping up, but it was like um, just different posts about like signs at the end of the world, right? Like strange trumpet sounds heard in Kazakhstan, right? Or, you know, crazy lights seen all over the world in the, in the, in the sky. And, you know, who knows, right? Every generation people say, well, it's the end of the world. Eventually someone's going to be right. Right, just by the law of probability. But it doesn't really matter, right? We should always live ready for God, right? Ready to, ready to be judged. Because when I die, Lord, well, that's the end of the world for me personally. It's my particular judgment. And so what does that look like? Well, it looks like trying to love, trying to live with trust in you, Lord, trying to live in a daring way trying to share the gospel, trying to do as much good as I have here on this earth because I trust you and because I'm trying to imitate you, because I'm trying to love you, trying to give people hope and optimism that they need in dark and confusing times, trying to be a sower sower of peace and joy in the great phrase of St. Josemaria. We're here to be sowers of peace and joy. And all of that, Lord, is based on this awareness, this truth, this deep conviction I have in the cross, in your cross, which lets me peer into heaven and see the Father's love for you and your love for the Father. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Which means that Jesus' radical, right, crazy self-forgetfulness, his radical, you know, insane willingness to suffer doesn't just show us the son's love for us. It shows us, it shows us the father's love for the son. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. And so sometimes we get, you know, we think about redemption, I think, and we're like, oh, well, 
you know, the son does all the heavy lifting, right? And the father is kind of crazy or mean, right? It's like, why, why does the father let this happen to the son? And Jesus knows that this is the way the father loves him from all eternity. And it's just an expression of what's happening from all eternity. Total selflessness, a total gift, the generation of the, of the father from the son and the father's love for the son, the son's love for the father, which is the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at the cross, Lord, we don't just see what you've done for us, but we see who you are for the Father and who the Father is for you. Radical love, radical care, radical selflessness. Pope Francis's first encyclical was a document entitled Lumen Fide, and it was actually drafted by um, Pope Benedict XVI, but it wasn't finished, and so when Pope Francis became Pope, he finished it and and issued it. And it's a it's a wonderful document. This is from this is from that encyclical. It is precisely in contemplating Jesus' death that faith grows stronger and receives a dazzling light. Then it is revealed as faith in Christ's steadfast love for us, a love capable of embracing death to bring us salvation. This love, which did not recoil before death in order to show its depth, is something I can believe in. Christ's total self-giving overcomes every suspicion and enables me to entrust myself to him completely. Overcomes every suspicion and enables me to entrust myself to him completely. And that's super important, Lord, because the beginning of sin in, in Genesis is very clearly fear or suspicion. And that fear and suspicion in God's care for us and God's will and God's providence and God's goodness at times stays with us insofar as we're sinners, right? It stays with us. It's one of the fomes peccati. And the result of our own sinfulness, our own lack of trust, right? Suspicion. Does God really know what he's doing? Am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? Are things going to work out? And to overcome that suspicion to live a kind of free abandonment and, and, and a kind of carefree trust, that's not naivete, it's not being stupid, um, but it's based on, it's based on reality, on, on God, right? What God has done, who God is, what he's willing to do for us, what he has done for us. Overcoming those suspicions to move into that realm of total trust, which brings this kind of daring confidence in our work, in our teaching others, in our friendships, in everything. Well, it takes faith, but we have to look at the cross next week. We have to look at the cross this Sunday. We have to realize what it's revealing to us. If we don't think about it, if we don't sit with it, well then of course, right, the more airtime we give to our worldly wisdom, which just looks at what's happening down here without a vertical connection to God and God's plan, without a horizon of the future, which is God's providence, 
Well, then, of course, our, our minds will be filled with the worries and the suspicions and the concerns because that's what we allow our mind to dwell on. That's the horizon and the perspective that we habitually put it in. And so it's a wonderful investment of time. And we should do this every day, right, to be in God's presence and think about what he's revealed and who he is to us and how it makes a difference in my life and how it helps me confront this day and this morning and this problem and this person and everything. But Holy Week is kind of a, a privileged time for this, right? Holy Week is a, a singularly graced time for this, right? to look at the passion slowly, to be in the passion, to open up our hearts to what God is telling us through it. The popes continue in the next paragraph. The clearest proof of the reliability of Christ's love is to be found in his dying for our sake. The clearest proof of the reliability of Christ's love is to be found in his dying for our sake. If laying down one's life for one's friends is the greatest proof of love, Jesus offered his own life for all, even for his enemies, to transform their hearts. This explains why the evangelists could see the hour of Christ's crucifixion as the culmination of the gaze of faith. In that hour, the depth and breadth of God's love shone forth. In that hour, the depth and the breadth of God's love shone forth. The cross is the proof of the reliability of Christ's love for us and therefore also the Father's love for us. And this is so important, right? Well, if I ever doubt, if I ever tempted to doubt right, God's love for me, well, the answer is, well, look at the crucifixion. Right? Read the passion. Put your mind back on, on this love to the end, right? This love to the limit, which is at the heart of our faith. And we're always looking for reliability, right? It's like, I just got a Honda and um wasn't my first choice because it's super slow on the pickup. And, you know, I'm about to turn 50, and so I'm afraid that it'll be the last car I ever purchased, right, because they last forever. So I'm trying to drive it more, and, like, I run over every pothole on purpose. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I, don't, but I drive a lot, so maybe I'll get another car in there. But then I'll be, like, 75, and... I don't know what it'll be anyway. But, you know, we look for, like, reliability. Right? And so, you know, if your phone battery starts dying every two hours, well, you got to get a new one, right? Because you can't charge it every two hours. Or if you drive an electric car and you have to go over 250 miles while you borrow someone else's car, right? Because it takes 10 hours to recharge the electric car. I think they're working on these things, but anyway. And so we want reliability, right, in our friends, in our institutions, in, in our way of life. And the only thing that's completely reliable is God, right? St. Teresa of Avila. Don't let anything frighten you, right? Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. God alone suffices. All things are passing. God never changes. 
He who has God lacks nothing. And those are beautiful phrases, but they, they, and they're true, but they only become really true to us insofar, Lord, as I sit down with you and I take the things that I'm worried about, the things that seem so unreliable, and I entrust them to you and I, and I connect with what is absolutely most fundamental and not going anywhere and can't be stopped by anything, right? Which is Christ's love for us, God's love for us in Christ. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. And then, Lord, you invite us. It's an, it's an incredible thing, right, that... Um, God shows how trustworthy he is on the cross. And then he shows us how much trust and confidence he has in us by asking us to carry our cross. If anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself each day and take up his cross. Let him deny himself and take up his cross each day and follow me. And so it's not just that our Lord is trustworthy by being on the cross for us, which is this great source of confidence and hope. And, you know, no matter how far off we go, Christ died for sinners. Not only do we see the confidence we can have in him with the cross, we also see the confidence that he has in us. Be like me, right? Love like me. Trust the Father like I do. Have such a great trust in your Father, God, as, as I do, and trust in His love and His care for me, that you're willing to take up the cross because you know that it's the right thing to do. You know that it'll, it'll lead to the resurrection. You know that it leads to life and not to death. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like willingness to suffer for others. It looks like sacrifice. Sacrifice is the touchstone of love, as St. Josemaria says, right? It's the proof of love. I think one of the most amazing things I've ever heard from the lips of another human being was I was talking to my friend, a guy named Mike, who's got ALS, and he's in a wheelchair, and he can't move his arms or his legs, but he can still move his shoulders and talk very well at times too much you know he's from New York um, we have a lot of fun a lot of fun together but one time we were talking and he and he said to me he said father is it okay if I pray for my cure now here's a guy who you know is in this place in Chelsea his two daughters are in New York he's got two grandkids with one on the way. And, you know, he's totally in this extremely difficult, anxiety-producing, humbled situation. And he asks me, is it okay if I pray to get healthy? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, okay, because what I usually do is I talk to God. He's got a crucifix on his wall. I talk to God and I tell him, 
Lord, I'm okay being here. And I accept that I've got this disease and that I'll probably die here and it's just going to get worse. But I want you to take care of my brother, right, who's got these problems. And I want you to take care of my daughters because I can't be there for them and do the normal things that a father would. And I want you to take care of my of my grand grandkids, right? And if you do that, right, I'm okay. I'm okay with this. Is, it, is that okay? It was like, I was, you know, I'm Italian, so I cry easily, right? So I was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's, you know, that's Christ, right? That's like, okay, you know, my life for theirs, right? My suffering for their well-being, right? My purgatory for, for their salvation. And... And the cross is messy, right? Jesus, sometimes, you know, we'll, we kind of think of it as a whole. And if you don't enter into the details, we can, you know, we tend to summarize things and have little words for things. And it's like, okay, Christ died on the cross for us. And that saved us. Well, that's great, you know. But it was super messy and it was super humiliating, right? He didn't, he wasn't like undefeated on the way of the cross, he fell three times, right? His strength, his attempt to carry the cross to Golgotha, in a certain sense, failed three times. He needed to get up and start over again three times. And he needed the help of some guy who was this innocent bystander who's in God's providence was called to help him carry the cross. And in the agony of the garden, right? Paralleling the three times that he falls on the way of the cross, he falls down on his face and prays three times, Father, if it's possible that this cup pass for me, nevertheless, not as my will, not my will, but yours be done. And so the trust that God has in us, we can't be surprised that it's a real test. It's a real proof. And at, the, at times we have to, you know, we'll be under so much strain or depression or anxiety or whatever, humiliation or something goes wrong, some big cross that we too will have to fall on the ground, prostrate and say, God help me. We can't be surprised at the cross and how hard it is and how humiliating it seems and how much trust it calls forth from us and how much sacrifice and difficulty it takes to keep going at times in our life. Because if we're called to sanctity, we're called to union with Christ and, 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 that cross of Christ was messy and it was humiliating and it was difficult and, and it had its, it had its weak points. And sometimes we think, well, faith just gives us like this magic solution to life where we shouldn't have any more problems. No, the more faith we have, the more problems God will give you because he trusts you to be like Christ, to suffer for others. And in those moments, right, we look at the cross, we say, Lord, at least uh, maybe my whole being rejects most of this cross, <laughs> but at least some part of me says, Lord, I accept this. And St. Rosemary says that, right? Try to take just a little part of that cross on your shoulders that's so hard to bear. And if not, you know, leave it on the shoulders of Christ, but stay with him. Gold is tested by fire. The book of Sirach and St. Peter say the same thing. 
And gold is tested by fire. And when we go through those crosses, Lord, the big ones or those normal ones in good times or in more difficult times, help us, Lord, to see that you're with us, that your love is totally reliable, that you carry the cross for us and we try to help you carry it for you. And the reliability of your love for us on the cross gives us the strength to carry our own cross. And peeking at the heaven to see the love that you have for the Father and the love that the Father has for you and therefore for each one of us because the Father loves us with the same love with which he loves his Son. Peeking at the heaven gives us this confidence that well, that same love is in me. The love of God with the Holy Spirit, St. Paul says, has been poured into our hearts. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God with the Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts. And so you become our Simon of Cyrene, as St. Josemaria said. We're your Simon of Cyrene, and you are our Simon of Cyrene. We go to Our Lady. Today is traditionally Our Lady of Sorrows. One week before Good Friday, we anticipate the contemplation of the Passion, specifically by focusing on Our Lady. And Our Lady lived the Passion. And seeing her son on the cross, her heart was pierced with a sword. And when our Lord's heart was pierced, well, Our Lady's heart was also pierced because he was her heart, right? He was the object of all of her love, all of her desire, all of her care. And through her love for his heart, she loves us because we're all in his heart. And so Our Lady, help us like you to stand firm at the foot of the cross, to love our Lord and to be strong for one another. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.